Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never really thought about tools until I bought a house in the suburbs. It's like this weird homeowner test if I need a tool for a project and don't have it. And my neighbor Ted loves to give me that look when I ask to borrow a pole saw. A year ago, I didn't even know pole saws existed. And now I gotta borrow one from Ted? What is happening? Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 119 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And before we get to this week's guest, Nick Mason, legendary drummer from Pink Floyd, I want to let you know about the Nick Mason Saucer Full of Secrets tour. It's getting ready to kick off in Boston at the Schubert Theater on September 22nd. And if you go to the show notes of this episode, you can get the link to get your tickets right now. And there is an exclusive Pantheon podcast contest that's happening. You could win a front row pair of tickets to see the show. You also get access to exclusive commemorative guitar pick-shaped necklaces carved down from drum cymbals that Nick Mason played himself. You also get a selection of curated exclusive VIP merchandise, a commemorative VIP laminate and lanyard, crowd-free shopping at a dedicated merchandise stand before the show, and a ton of on-site perks as well, like priority check-in, VIP express lane to the venue, and so much more. All you need to do is check the show notes of this episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast to enter or go to pantheonpodcast.com. My guest this week, Nick Mason, the legendary drummer from Pink Floyd, is the only member of Pink Floyd to play on every single Pink Floyd album. And he's taking the early albums of Pink Floyd out on the road with the Saucer Full of Secrets tour. I was honored to have Nick Mason as a guest on the podcast, and we talked about the music that inspired him growing up. We also talked about why he decided to play the drums in the first place. We talked about Roger Waters' songwriting ability, the plethora of Pink Floyd cover bands that exist, whether or not he's ever synced up Dark Side of the Moon to The Wizard of Oz. 
what the likelihood is of a Pink Floyd reunion. And we also talked about the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. And that just scratches the surface. And if you have ever attended classes at Berklee College of Music, well, Nick Mason and I also talked about Berklee as well. So allow me to introduce you to the one, the only, the legendary Nick Mason from Pink Floyd. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to... You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Mr. Nick Mason, what an honor and a privilege. So nice to meet you. Thank you. Uh, it makes me feel like rock royalty when people talk like that. You should feel like rock royalty. You are rock royalty. Yeah, but they haven't given me the crown and the ermine robe and all the stuff that, well, I had to lend it out anyway for the Queen's funeral. I was, I was first going to offer my condolences on, uh, to, the, to you for the death of the Queen. It's, uh, well, it's, uh, it's been an extraordinary reign. You know, she's, I, th- I can't remember quite how many prime ministers she's sort of uh, had through the door and out again. But um, no, she's seen all she saw. An amazing half half a century plus. It is remarkable to look back at how different the world is and, and how much it changed in the 70 years that she was on the throne. It's a completely different world. Yeah. Did you uh, did you see the um, the crown? Yes. The, the, which I thought was really good and showed some pretty good sort of attempts at showing what the royal family were like or what they went through. Well, you have a little bit more of a backstage pass to the royal family than I ever will, and I always wondered how accurate that show was to depicting the real royal family. Um, I, I'm sure it took enormous liberties, but uh, I, I certainly think it certainly got across some of the the the, the time, uh, the, the 50s, for instance, what it was actually like living in England in the 50s and how we all went about things. Well, this is also coming from a dirty colonial in Boston. So we have a <laughs> we have a different relationship when it comes to the monarchy here. Yeah, well, I think both sides are getting over it now. I'm you pretty know. sure we're pretty good friends by now, yeah. Well, I was so excited to talk to you because you've had such an amazing career. And when I talk to artists... The subject always comes up of the relationship in rock and roll across the pond. 
and how this rock and roll ball keeps getting lobbied over the ocean and back again and how it influences. So what was it early on for you that inspired the rock and roll love in you? And did it come from that early blues in the United States, like so many say? Um, Yes and no. It certainly came from the United States. But uh, I think... You know, the very first record I bought, and it was a 78, not a not even a 45, was Bill Haley. So that was the kickoff on, on rock music. In, in England, there was just one radio show a week called Rocking to Dreamland on Radio Luxembourg. And so that's where you went to hear the music. And that was and it was the era of Bill Haley, and then the first Elvis singles, and then the first Elvis album. Um, and of course, that was sort of followed by, although it was probably prevalent, more pre- prevalent at the time, all the sort of Chuck Berry uh, influences and the, uh, the music that came from that sort of background. And, and I mean, for many years, or the first, let's say, seven years of rock and roll, um, all the English were doing was uh, copying the Americans, you know, making their own versions of the hit parade, the American hit parade. So you couldn't help but be influenced entirely, really, by, by America. What was the soundtrack to your childhood? What's the music influence that you remember growing up? What were your well, parents well, playing in the house? Well, um, of course, the there was nothing like that sort of there was kids music like the teddy bears picnic and the laughing policeman um my mum was quite a good keyboard player and so there was quite a lot of classical music that she played my father had no real interest in me i mean he liked music but he wasn't particularly musical um and so the influences were really as as, as i say the the big thing was this sudden arrival of rock and roll and i've been interested in in jazz, particularly anything from the sort of blue note labels. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was the arrival of of English, of, of English, English brand rock and roll, which initially was Tommy Steele and Cliff Richard and people like that. And then, of course, what really transformed the world of our music was the Beatles, because that suddenly was totally... Uh, homegrown and really interesting and uh, I think an enormous influence on virtually every every English musician. Did you start out wanting to be a drummer? God, no. <laughs> no, I think I'd have liked to have been a lead guitarist. But um, when we started our first band, when I was about 13 or 14, um, none of us could play anything. And one of the members of the band had um, been out and actually managed to buy a guitar. So that was sort of force majeure. That was, that was unavailable. I certainly wasn't going to become a bass player. <laughs> so that really left um, the drums. The drums is isn't the, the easiest instrument to start. And I read a fascinating article, and I'm curious your take on it, that the part of the brain that is proficient with language and math is also the part of the brain activated by music. And I know that you have a love of architecture, which is a lot of math. Do you think that that theory is true? And does that, uh, are you proficient with numbers? And does that make you a good drummer? Um, 
Well, I can read an overdraft when I see it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I, th I think uh, with all these things, actually, you can most of them can be uh, approached by practicing or you know, sort of just the 10,000 hour idea that once whatever you want to do, if you're prepared to give it the time, you can do it and be good at it. I, I, whether, yeah, I, I'm not sure that um, sort of good arch that architects make good drummers or drummers make good architects and so on and so on. Uh, I think it's more to do with finding something that you like doing and then um, then you're more likely to, to get on with it. Are you more blues rhythm kind of in the moment in your head when you're playing or is it all the counting like i'm curious what it is that's going through your mind while you're actually playing what are you hearing in your brain while you're behind the drum set oh um i'm not quite sure i, I suppose when I, there's a difference of course between when you're in the studio and when you're on stage when you're on stage i think what you're actually you're doing two things one is I don't want to, uh, I need to, there are certain things that I need to do in order to keep everyone, I, I won't say in time, because actually most musicians have got, are very good at keeping time. Um, it's it's the other things, it's the dynamics of what we're playing. So you spend quite a lot of time looking at the other musicians and seeing what they're doing. And for me, that's still really important. I, I quite often watch some of these television documentaries and, and there's a nasty tendency for the band bands seem to have stopped looking at each other they just sort of get on with what they're doing whereas actually what i've always liked is that thing where there's an interaction between uh, between the players i suppose i think that's it that you you what goes on in your head tends to be to, very geared to the situation. You know, recording studios very different to a live performance, and uh, and a recording studio you are perhaps counting numbers a lot more because you're trying to get it right, I suppose, so that everything else can be built on top of it. And you're also live, especially with the kind of music you've made with Pink Floyd in your career there's also the element of the production, which is so much a part of the live show. And so the lighting, the sounds, the inflatables, all of it is based yeah. off of your shoulders. Uh, yes. And actually, of course, that is the other thing you're spending quite a lot of time thinking about, which is, is the wall going to fall down or <laughs> are we going to have to find some way of pretending this is part of the show? Did that ever happen? Did you have oh, that God, final you, tap you, moment? You, well, not with the wall so much. We were pretty good by then at the technology, but we certainly, when we were working with film, quite often you'd have to uh, you'd have to <laughs> extemporize for five minutes because you'd seen that the film had caught fire, and um, consequently there was going to have to be a quick edit and a reload, and carry on. And in fact, um, for quite a while, one of my my stage kit not only had drums and cymbals, but lots and lots of rear view mirrors. So it looked like one of those mod scooters from the 60s. Uh, so that I could see quite what was happening on the film that was being projected behind me. 
I interview a lot of artists, and when we talk about the craft of songwriting, so many credit the songwriting of Pink Floyd as being so inspirational, so groundbreaking. Can you give me an example of any artist, any genre, from a songwriter's and a craft perspective, what is a perfect song to you? A song you is so good and so well-written you wish you wrote it. Well, I think I, I'm always saying that one of the things I find fascinating, but particularly Roger's lyric writing, is how relevant it is to a much older audience. Um, you know, when you look back on it, when Dark Side was written and um, something a song like Time was written by a 23-year-old, when in fact it's as relevant or perhaps even more relevant to a 50 or 60-year-old. Um, so I, I, that's always been a, you know, one of the aspects of, of Pink Floyd that I think uh, has worked incredibly well. And I mean, the other, the greatest songwriter for me is still um, Bob Dylan. Uh, I just think there's someone, who, it is poetry, really, and it has meaning. Uh, which can't be said of all rock and roll. You bring up Dark Side of the Moon. Have you ever sat down with The Wizard of Oz and synced up the album like we all have? Have you ever done that? Um, I've sort of, not for very long before <laughs> I got bored. I still, I do like telling people that we had Julie Garland in Studio 3 at Abbey Road and um, that uh, it was all her fault. But uh, no, it's uh, the, one of the wonderful things about music and uh, is the way that it can become the soundtrack to almost anything. And in fact, the nightmare is when you are working on film music, if the director has already used his favorite song and put it on for something as a temporary expedient, it's almost impossible to ever get that out of his mind because it's already locked on and uh, finding other music to take that place is nigh on impossible. Where's the weirdest place you've ever bumped into your own music? Supermarket? Like, because your music, Pink Floyd, is one of the most iconic rock bands that will ever be. And your music is everywhere all the time. Um, it's usually uh, street players. You know, somewhere really odd or exotic. Uh, There's a, a couple of guys outside the Wailing Wall, Jerusalem, uh, who are on YouTube, I think. Um, but it's that sort of thing that's that's unusual, uh, rather than uh, I, I can't really think of it anywhere else. But there is a lot of it about. It's a bit like. Um, no, it's a bit like uh, nothing, but it's that thing where you're never more than 10 meters away from a Pink Floyd tribute band. <laughs> and it's a testament to the love and the passion of the music that there are so many tributes, but also that fans secretly kind of hope that you guys will all bury the hatchet, get back together. Is that annoying for you that the fans still wish that? Or do you just kind of take it as well, they just love us that much that they just want to see us back together. It's, it's not annoying. It's just, uh, it's sort of sad in a way because, um, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be very happy to 
uh, sharpen my drumsticks and head out with um, Roger and David. But I just don't think it's going to happen. And it's a bit, um, you know, however much pressure is is put on them, uh, I just don't think uh, you would need you would need something. Uh, you know, that sort of Nelson Mandela thing. You'd need someone so strong who would make something so good happen out of it. Well, you talk about pressure. When you're going to go out on the Saucer Full of Secrets tour, you're playing this iconic Pink Floyd music. And obviously, piece of cake for you. But you've got to put a band together that can pull that music off in a way that the diehard Floyd fans that are going to come and see you are going to love and cherish and experience with you. So talk to me about putting the band together for this tour. Well, I think, first of all, that one of the advantages of playing this early music is that the fans are appreciate the fact that this music does not have to be played note perfect. You know, it's almost impossible to... Uh, play comfortably numb and without trying to emulate David's guitar solo on the Pink Floyd, the early Pink Floyd repertoire. The songs are recognizable, but how they're actually played, most of the fans seem very, very happy to accept what what is the original, what was originally the mission, which is. You have a basic song, but then you can extemporize around it or with it. And um, so hopefully if someone comes to see a show for the 16th time, they will notice differences rather than always getting exactly the same uh, the same thing. And frankly, finding I, I didn't have to bother to find the band. The band formed itself <laughs> almost around, around me. And I have to say, I'm absolutely thrilled with them still. It's, it's, it's such a wonderful mix of ability. Not uh, They all have good ability, but they come from such different genres. You know, you've got a, a trance music, a element of punk, um, and a, a, a um, new romantic. You have done so much traveling and touring in your career that when you go out on the road on the Saucer Full of Secrets tour, you've got a couple shows in the Northeast. You're going to be in Boston on the 22nd and Providence on the 25th. Do you get the opportunity to go out and actually enjoy the places that, that you're going? Are you going out to eat? Are you sightseeing? It depends absolutely on the amount of time available. Another good thing about, well, Pink Floyd as well, but this band is everyone is up for taking advantage of being somewhere. So nearly always we'll go out, we'll, we'll try and find a particular restaurant, but if there are good galleries or there's a good museum or whatever, um, we'll, we'll do it. Uh, I think there's, in our old age, there's an appreciation of traveling that maybe was missing, <laughs> missing 40 years ago. When you come to Boston, uh, where do you like to go? I haven't been to Boston for years, so uh, I have nothing planned at the moment because also it's the first show of the tour. So we're going to be fairly busy trying to remind ourselves of how these uh, how these songs go. Do you have to relearn the song? They, I mean, they're your songs. Do, do we know them better than you do? Oh, God, yes, sometimes. 
it's great because I can watch the air guitarists and the air drummers in the front and pick up what they're doing and go, oh, yeah, I remember that now. And it's the Schubert Theater is not far from Berkeley College of Music. So, you know, that there's going to be students there that are going to be paying attention to every hit of the drumstick and, and studying everything. And, and those students are meticulous. We were getting on so well, and now you've really put me into a terror frame of mind. I will have someone on the door to stop any students coming in. Well, allow me to offer my services. I'm born and raised here, so if you need a oh, really? tour guide, okay. I will yeah. be more than happy to give you the Mistress Carrie tour of Boston. <laughs> Very good. Uh, before I let you go, there is always this debate, and it's been going on for probably as long as you've been sitting behind the drums, that rock and roll is dying or rock and roll is dead. And you have been so on the forefront of pushing the boundaries of music for so long. What do you say to someone that says the best days of rock and roll are behind us? Uh, well, basically, I'd say they're dealing with old age rather badly because... Um, uh, it, it's a nonsense. There's enormous amounts of great music being produced at an extraordinary level now. You know, the, um, young musicians, apart from anything else, they have access to such good teaching. You know, no one taught electric guitar when I was a kid. Uh, but now um, every school seems to have uh, some aged rock star teaching either drums or a percussion or or a guitar or whatever. Um, the problem, uh, the pro there are other sorts of problems. And the main problem is live music for young bands and finding venues and getting paid for it. You know, the 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 old ways of how you made money are gone, but there are new ways. But they're they're trickier. Well, Much it's, trickier. it's probably a really good thing that uh, TikTok and Twitter weren't around at the start of Pink Floyd then. Oh, it's a very good thing. We, <laughs> we were very lucky. There was a sort of golden opportunity and we managed to jump on that particular train. Mr. Mason, it was such an honor and a privilege to talk to you today. I cannot wait to see the show. The fact that you're kicking off the tour here in Boston is awesome, and I, I won't let the Berkeley students nitpick you too much. <laughs> Great. I'll give you a special pass for that. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, and the offer stands that if you need a tour guide, I would be more than happy to give you restaurant suggestions, whatever you need. Very good. Thank you. Thank I'll you so much. Mind. Have okay. a wonderful day. And you. There he is, the legendary drummer Nick Mason from Pink Floyd. You can see him on the Saucer Full of Secrets tour that kicks off in Boston at the Schubert Theater starting on September 22nd, but the tour is nationwide. Go to the show notes of this episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast and get the link to find all the tour dates and to get tickets. And you can also enter the Pantheon podcast exclusive Nick Mason contest to get your tickets upgraded and so much more. You'll also find all of Nick Mason's links, all of Pink Floyd's links, all of the Mistress Carrie links and the link to the corresponding playlist for this week's episode. There is a corresponding playlist for every full-length episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast that features my guest music and all of the music and artists that we talked about in the interview. You can join me every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern live on my Facebook page 
for my video show, Cocktails in the War Room. And you can always find me on the air on the Mistress Carrie radio show. Get the info on that and everything else at MistressCarrie.com. The Mistress Carrie podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. With Progressive's Name Your Price tool, you can find options that fit your budget. Because giving you options is the right thing to do. Oh, yeah, like when I hold the door for someone. Sure, it may be weird if I don't time it right, and they're a little too far away, and now they're running. And we're both asking ourselves, is it worth it to run instead of just, you know, letting them open their own door? But still, it's the right thing to do. So get options based on your needs with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.